This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. If you're like me, you spend lots of time pouring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Spartan Forge. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 300. Today, I'm coming to you from Elk Camp atop a mountain in northern Idaho with my buddies, Wilson McSwain and Kobe Owens. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. I hope you are feeling better than me. I literally just flew in from my elk trip from Idaho, and I actually I caught the red eye from Phoenix uh, to Pennsylvania, 
So there hasn't been a lot of sleep yet, so I'm a little delirious, but I wanted to make sure I got a podcast out for you guys this week. It is a Monday, uh, so I hunted, I think it's Monday, um, hunted through Saturday and basically flew all day, um, all day Sunday. Started in the morning on Sunday, had a super long layover in Phoenix, so I had a couple beers at the bar, and then really didn't sleep a wink from Phoenix to um, Philadelphia, so a little, a little worse for wear today. Um, but just going to kind of jump straight into things, um, and not, uh, beat around the bush here. Um, have a cool show for you guys today. I took a very small recording rig with me, um, into the mountains. It's super late. I have a little setup that I can use my phone for kind of impromptu, uh, podcast opportunities. And so took that along with me and was anticipating recording a, a podcast while we were on, on the mountain. Cause it wasn't a lot of weight to carry. Uh, so we did just that. However, it's in two sections. Um, the first section is us kind of really in camp, uh, talking about what had happened up until the point that we recorded the podcast. The second half is me just kind of giving you the final, uh, account of a recount of the final, you know, two to three hunts that we had before we, uh, before we pulled camp, we kind of ran out of time to kind of have everyone, everyone was kind of moving in different directions. Wilson's family was out of town. Our buddy Kobe, who was with us filming things, Um, he had some work he had to get to right after this hunt. So he had to prep for some additional hunts and work that he had to kind of get, uh, back to either Montana. And I think he was then maybe headed back to Utah, uh, for another hunt. So he had to kind of boogie and, and, uh, and get out of town as well. So that is why it is split up into kind of two, two sections, the way that, the way that it is. And so the audio quality is, is, is good from the mountain. It's just, I'll give you guys a heads up. It's, it's slightly different than what you're used to hearing just because of, I was using some different stuff to, to get the recording done. So with that, if you haven't picked up your skull brew coffee, pour over packs for your hunting trips, make sure you do that. Go to skullbrewcoffee.com, get the, uh, .com, get the pour over packs. So you'll be set to go. Make sure you're checking out the truth from the stand merch, uh, at truth from And otherwise we're going to go ahead and just jump into, jump in today's show. And as always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. A little different today. We are coming to you from location, on location, like a weather girl. <laughs> 5,600 feet up in the air. Right. We are in Idaho, Elk Camp, with uh, two buddies, Mr. Wilson McSween. You know him, you love him. How's he going? Long-time offender. <laughs> Multi-offender. <laughs> and we have our new buddy, Mr. Kobe Owen. What's going on, man? Uh, not much, just elk hunting, living the dream. That's right. Uh, Kobe is along uh, doing some filming. He's got some handy handy camera work. Yeah, you know, we're uh, here just documenting the experience, uh, doing a little film, and then, of course, snapping photos, because that's what we do. Yeah, and uh, on the side, he's also providing me my, my medical kit <laughs> to, doctor <laughs> oh, up my, <laughs> to doctor up my feet. Tape. Yeah. Horse wrap, blister stuff, right. ointment, whatever you need, right. I got it. I wish I had some hooves, actually. It'd be in a lot better shape if I did. Hooves. Hooves. I don't know if, is it hooves? Hoof? It's hoofs? Hoofs. Hoofs? I don't know. Which, what is hooves? I don't know multiple. what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so horse oh, feet. Oh, yeah. horses? Oh, yeah. okay. Is it hooves or is it hoofs? Um, Depends on what side of the Mississippi you're from. I don't know. I get people make fun of me all the time because I say hooves. You also say bulls. Hoofs, like bull. bull elk. Bull. It's a bull elk. Bull. There you go. Bull. Bull elk. It's a bull elk. Yeah. All right. All right. Anyway, hooked on phonics. It didn't work for me, apparently. Yeah. Should we do cribs, an audio version of cribs real quick? quick oh, yeah. Done? Yeah. We're, we're actually in a... Well, we'll just go over our accommodations. Like where yeah. we're, So we're 5,200-something 
54, 52, yeah. 5400 feet. Uh, that's where we're hunting. We climbed the top of this this mountain, set up uh, camp. We've been here since Monday. It's currently Thursday. Thursday. Um, and we've got our three tents set up. We've got a nice kind of little spot that overlooks. You can see a couple of the houses down below us and stuff like that, but it's just an awesome view. Um, kind of centrally located to where we can get to the places we want to get to on top of the mountain to, to elk hunt. Wilson put in a lot of work uh, over the last year and this summer locating where a herd might be up here. And so we'll kind of talk about that in a second. But we'll start with where we're at currently. We're in Kobe's tent recording this. We just had a morning hunt, came back from that to grab some coffee, some breakfast. And uh, give us a rundown of your digs. Like this is uh, the uh, the Idaho elk camp cribs episode yeah so uh we are in the seek outside cimarron light tent right now and i just got this thing first rip for it and i am stoked on it uh already in love with it it's a floorless teepee tent and we got our mic strapped on the center pole which is a carbon fiber pole and the tent and the pole combined i looked it up i think it was like three pounds three ounces something like that so pretty light um and pitches pretty decent uh i just needed something that i could live out of for the entire fall have some space uh yeah, you have be able a ton of to, space in here yeah exactly we're sitting three in here comfortably we could have two three more sitting around here to record and, and be fine you know i bet i could sleep four in here uh, without a stove without a stove yeah. without gear inside the tent you know you could get some gear in here but um i mean you could be a three-man we could all be in here if we really needed to but right. you guys got your tents of course and we have um, a lot of gear just like because yeah. we're up here for a week so and you have all your camera gear we've got yeah. three we each have you know frame packs and just Six days of, of food adds up to a lot of If you're Kobe, it's like 12 days of food for a normal person. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I brought in a lot of poundage of food. But. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's Kobe's setup for his tent. Wilson, what are you What are you using? Um, I've had the same tent for quite a few years now. <clears throat> Just a little two-man Kelty guide sort of tent, and it sets up about 18 seconds, and it's... Yeah, it's been an awesome tent for me. It's two man, right? Yeah, it's a two man um, with nothing else in it. Like my my wife and I go camping without the kids, we take that tent because uh, it's super easy to set up. You can't if there's two people in it, you can't even bring your like iPhone in it because right. there's not enough room for it. But yeah. I feel like our tents are about the same size. Yeah, yep. yeah. I have a a big Agnes. Uh, I think it's HVUL2 is like the technical. And I only know that because I did so much freaking research, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> trying to figure yeah. out what tent I was going to get. Um, and it's a two-man with vestibules on each side, which is nice because I just kind of st- stash my bow under one side and then under the other side I stash my pack and my boots. And now I can keep most of that stuff out of my out of my tent. It sleeps nice. I don't have any problems with it at the moment. Really windy last night. Yeah. Held up well in the wind. I didn't um, even notice the wind. I only noticed it when I got up this morning at like 4.30, wind was ripping. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it held up well, well in the, in the wind. And so I'm pleased so far. I haven't had a lot of rain a little bit yesterday, but I wouldn't really consider that rain. It was more of a 
spinning rain. It was a light sprinkle. Yeah, light we sprinkle. got a couple squalls that moved through. Yeah, yeah. But the wind was nice. It kept it nice and kind of cool. Some air moving through the tent, even though it had to be closed up for fear of rain. Yeah. <laughs> but who, Hey, who knows what happened before we got here, though, because that big lightning storm did move through while yeah. we were out on our evening sit. So yeah, Just exactly. after. So I guess we'll just jump right into it and document the hunt so far. So I'll start with Monday. No, what day? Sunday I got into town. Yep. I flew in on Sunday. Uh, Wilson and Kobe picked me up at the airport. We basically, we'll fast forward through this, we basically just spent that day kind of, we went out to dinner to hang out, just like, you know, to have one last meal before we ran up on the mountain. Um, And then basically spent that evening just kind of packing, getting everything ready to go because we wanted to leave the next morning because we had to stop by North, what's it called? North 40. North 40, uh, like a big box kind of outdoor store to pick up some dehydrated meals and some of the stuff that I didn't fly out with me. And then we left from there and then headed to, headed to the mountain and hiked up. Everyone had heavy packs. Uh, Kobe had an extremely heavy pack. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I think with all the camera gear and everything, I think it topped out at like 84 pounds. Yeah. And, And he brought enough food to like feed a small village for a month. It's six days of food for me, but, uh, you calorie count though. Uh, yeah, this one was a little bit of a throwing a couple extra, but when I do these mountain hunts, I always come back a couple pounds lighter, and right now I got pretty much almost five weeks straight of it, Mm -hmm. so I'm trying to keep on the pounds at the front end of this and uh, get through the season, so I brought brought some extra food to... Right to stay good this trip, but it's it's gonna be worth it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just got off a a Utah high country muley uh, trip that you just filmed as well. So it's yeah. like you're you're literally living in the mountains for like six straight weeks almost, right? Yeah, I uh, my goal is not to sleep in a real bed in September. So right. Well, you're off to a good you're off to a good start. You might as well extend <laughs> yeah. it to part of August because I mean you've been gone for like the last two weeks. My of couch is the last thing you slept on. Yeah, the, oh, true. The yeah. Couches, but that's like yeah, couches. Like, and that, that was in couch. August. That was a comfortable couch. I'll give you that for sure. But no, that but was, it was still August, August. But you still so. have to have those like, I'm getting to the place that I'm going to oh, be. Oh yeah. And I might have a day where I'm staying at someone's house or a hotel until like everyone gets into town to go up to camp or whatever. Yeah. So I feel like that's not like I feel like that's that's okay. Like, I'm not gonna count that as a bed. I know I'm talking like a a, a right. bed or my. Place. home yeah. yeah yeah but uh no we'll we'll spend a lot of nights in the truck too i have a topper set up a uh, good sleep system in there and and so that's pretty much home in the fall uh when i'm not in the tent so right. yeah. yeah and it's a sweet setup so kobe had a very heavy pack i don't know ours were probably 65 pounds roughly yeah i think i waited at the house and it was 57 without food no, that no, was, that was, that was food. food. It was just without that was my at bow. Your bow. Oh, okay, with yeah. so sixty pounds and maybe water bottle or two. My water was full. Yeah, I was yeah. pretty pretty much well off. But I wanted. Yeah, I knew I was gonna be right around that fifty to sixty mark when I packed my bag and unpacked like fifteen million times before I right. came. Yeah, my bag was lighter because I forgot all my lunches in my freezer. <laughs> you did. Yeah, yeah, all your peanut butter and jellies. Oh. So Wilson was so stoked to have peanut butter and jellies for lunch yes. every day. And we, pro tip, if you vacuum seal a peanut oh, butter and so jelly, good. it yeah. kind of turns into like a mini, like it smashes it up like a mini granola bar almost. Yeah. And so good. Yeah. It's, and there's uh, all of my 
refrigerator at home right now <laughs> in my garage. I was like, oh, I'll put them in here. They'll be cold for the morning. I'll put them in my pack. Got it. And I was like, dang, I bet they're real cold. <laughs> I bet they're real cold and real good. I've been eating one a day. You know, no, they're I, wa- I watch you eat it. Yeah, I, 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 shared, I shared it with you. Yeah, I shared I one bite. with you. Yeah, you got a bite. So we got to where we were planning to hike in to the, the, the start of the trailhead. Um, and like I said earlier, where we're camping at, it's, I forget exactly. It's like 52 or 5,400 feet yeah. roughly. Um, but it's just about somewhere between a mile and a half, a mile or two miles, like just yeah. de- depending just, like if you're using my watch GPS, if you're tracking it with yeah. like a Spartan forge or whatever the case is to, to mark your track. Um, so just say, call it, you know, roughly two miles. And I want to say the elevation gain in those two miles was I think 1400 feet or 1500 yeah. feet. So a little bit of a gnarly climb. I think it took us an hour and 45 minutes to get from the beginning of the trailhead to, um, to actual camp. So not a trip you want to do often. No, no, we took it easy too. Cause this first day we weren't trying to burn our legs out. Cause I knew we were going to do a lot of hiking out from here and everything's down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You started, until you start. Until you started sprinting. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Oh yeah. Was, yeah. Sometimes yes. I get like both just some juice of energy and I got to get it out real quick. So yeah. So but we, we were very fortunate enough to have that good trail because yeah, uh, the terrain here is not as gnarly. forgiving. Like it is thick under forage, trees everywhere. We we have one ridge that has a park on it pretty much. So mm-hmm. it's a uh, thick country. Yeah, yeah, that's the one thing. We'll get into that here in a second. So we got here, we set up camp, to your point, a nice kind of like hiking trail that we were able to use as access mm-hmm. to get in. Um, got camp set up pretty well. And then Monday was really just kind of, you know, once we got up here, just was getting camp set up, getting tent set up, kind of getting situated for the week. And then that evening we went and... We hiked the peak. We hiked to this peak that's not not far from here, relatively speaking. And uh, we had dinner there. We took some jet boils and just had some dinner while we were sitting there. And then we and we did some glass and we saw our first elk, like of the trip. Yeah, night while we one. were there. Yeah, night we one. had a good spot. Yeah, which was which was cool. So spirits were high uh, after seeing elk. We were like, sweet, you know. And that was not in a spot we were hunting. It was like no. across two basins, down in a little drainage, a fur piece. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. like, hey, look, there's an elk. And then oh, look, there's another one. But it was just good to see elk on the first day in this area because I spent a lot of time in this area, and it seems like the concentration of elk are from the peak that we're at all the way down to that drainage system where we saw those other elk. So Yeah. So come back to camp, hop in bed, get a good night's sleep. And so the game plan really at that point was – I'm trying to remember. What did we do the first morning? Did we we go down the – We went and sat down – the ridge oh yeah because we went and checked the camera yeah and stuff yeah and, and we did we we didn't have an encounter that morning did we no nope that was later in the afternoon well we went in a little bit later that day too so we got up cruised real slow through the timber oh that's to right the yeah. ridge we sat down a couple different times some yep. calling sequences to see if we could get we anything deer to, we did see two deer two deer yeah two deer and then we made it check cameras or check a camera and, uh, well, we checked cameras when we drove into the trailhead, like, cause there was a camera to check there yeah, and we road. had, and we had elk on that. Um, and then 
Monday, or sorry, was it Monday or was it Tuesday? Tuesday was Tuesday. the day. Yeah, so Tuesday, when we went down the ridge to get to that camera, we just kind of still hunted our way through, sat down, had a couple calling sequences, and didn't see anything, didn't hear anything, made it to the camera. There were elk on camera. And here on this hunt, just put it out there, I'm trying to kill any legal elk on yeah, the hunt. I'm not, I'm not looking for a mega bull. I'm not looking for a branch antler, a raghorn. Like, if it's legal, I want to shoot it. That's that's my kind of criteria. And there were two that were legal, shootable, spike and like a split split spike. Yeah, you know, spike bull. fork. Yeah, spork. <laughs> In Pennsylvania, we would call that a, an 11 point or a 12 yeah. point. Um, so, fa- you know, to fast forward, we ended up sitting that general area later that evening and we had an awesome plan kind of dialed in. And why don't, Wilson, you kind of dialed up, dialed up that plan because you're the one who had all the familiarity with the area. Yeah. We, they bed off this little knob in the ridge. And so we crept in there like five o'clock. We got down there. Yeah. Yeah. We rolled in at like five and set up and what we thought was going to be a good spot. The thermals were pulling our wind just right up over the top and there's kind of like two trail options and clint you know what was that far one 48 yards yeah 48 yards. 48 yards to the far trail like 23 to this middle trail and i looked at clint and i said worst case scenario is they come on this trail that's about two yards to my left <laughs> <laughs> and we wait there about 6 30 6 45 we started hearing movement in the timber we did some calling no responses to anything. Yeah, no. Yeah. We heard no elk sounds at all this whole trip, and then next thing you know, we just start hearing the f- footprints of multiple elk. And I think you saw it was a good. So it was a good like fifteen twenty minutes between like hearing them down in the timber below us, and then like a little bit more down the ridge line to our left. And. Uh, they were Clint and Wilson are both to my left here. I'm tucked back in the tree, and I look at Wilson, and I just see big old uh, forehead in the tree <laughs> behind me that's not Wilson's. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, elk. And I'm like, antlers. I'm like, no, 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 because there was a spike with antlers behind it, but the lead cow was first, and the big old ears were about as big as the spikes. Right. And... Uh, I started rolling the camera, and she just froze right there. I, honestly, five or less yards. Yeah, she was, right was, the, she was touching the tree that I was also touching. Yeah, and <laughs> she never really saw us or what was up, but she she just knew something wasn't right. Our wind was good, so she wind, didn't wind yeah. us. Yeah, but I mean, we weren't probably tucked back in as good good as we should have been but we were we were in a good spot yeah. we weren't in a bad spot yeah. by if they any came means. from anywhere but like other you than, said worst yeah. case scenario they, yeah. they it was worst case scenario where they any came. other trail we would have been good to go yeah. borderline pretty good so they bust out and it was a stampede there's probably <laughs> Jeez. Uh, there's i'd say that was eight to to a dozen of them yep. Yep. the herds don't get uh too big in in this country uh, a big herd's like 20 elk on the sea. Right. So, right. This time of year for sure. Like, yeah. yeah. So that was, that was the first hunt. So, yeah, or that was the first day. High. Yeah. We were stoked. Like, you know, we got into elk cause the thing is, and we'll talk a little bit about the country that we're in too. Cause I think Kobe, you mentioned it earlier is that just finding elk here, whenever you're not, when they're not bugling 
and you're trying to locate and just find where elk might be is hard just because of how thick things are there's not a lot of glassing opportunities glassing opportunities are minimal and the glassing opportunity we had wilson picked a picked a bone up you know Mm -hmm. like it's it's getting lucky like that um but it, it it's tough country to find elk in and i say don't leave elk to find elk so we're camped here within a mile of this ridge line that we know there's elk on and we've gotten into them and we haven't busted them out so there's no reason for us to pull up roots and uh go into somewhere that uh we don't know there's elk and we're fortunate that wilson put in the time and effort to uh find us a little herd here yeah so so we felt pretty good i mean it was a bummer that you know that opportunity didn't come to fruition because out of Wilson's Day periphery, one. he actually saw the spike I would have shot. He was on yeah. his way to, to being in our pack. Yeah, we needed like three more minutes. Yeah. We needed her to get out into that little opening. So then fast forward. So we come back to camp, get a good night's sleep. And then yesterday, we were like, you know what? The wind was still good. Let's go back down the ridge. We know those elk are there. And we're kind of almost hunting them like a, like a, um, you know, for people that are listening that might be more familiar with whitetail hunting we're hunting them almost more similar to how you would hunt early season whitetails mm-hmm. where you've got a herd of elk or you have deer that you know are living or bedding in a certain area and you know they're feeding in another area and you know their point a point being you just kind of figure out what trail or what terrain features are using to get from here to there because they're not bugling right now that's really the only play that we have and so we were like well we know that they like to use that in the more in the evenings and we know they like to use it in the mornings mm-hmm. you know and occasionally maybe in the afternoon once in a great while, but consistently around the same time in the mornings and the evenings. So we are like, you know what? Wind's still good. Let's head back down there in the morning first thing and see if we can't kind of catch him trying to head back to bed off that off the point of that, of that ridge. And so we get down there plenty early, get set up, and uh, what happened? Yeah, and we set up a little bit farther away from the bedding that morning didn't yeah. we well i think i yeah. think it's debatable oh, where no. they're betting though because yeah like we thought originally they were down off that right side and i don't know if it's east or west i can't remember that would be northeast northeast yeah but i think after we saw the elk actually come through how they came through the evening before makes me believe they're actually bedded off like the southern side of that ridge the opposite side yeah or down off that point which would be kind of weird because there is a big bull that lives in this general area. Wilson saw him last year, saw him this summer. Yep. He's bedded not far from where we've been setting up. Yeah, That's nor- kind of like north the north side of the ridge, like right on the ridge. But yeah, we set up and we called for a while in the morning. And then, um, yeah, I'm trying to remember. So we. So nothing was happening. Nothing was and happening. We were just. Dead we'd been dead. there for a while. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I don't remember why we decided to walk up on the ridge, but we walked up on the ridge and stood there for a good 10, probably maybe even 15, just did a little bit of calling again. And uh, we were just going to go back to our packs and make some breakfast. And we're about 20 steps into it and went from whispering to a pretty quiet voice still, but talking as we're getting ready to walk away from the, from hunting we're like all right let's go back to camp let's make some breakfast figure out yeah. what we're going to do for oh, this no, afternoon yeah. this evening and then you know typical crashing through the timber <laughs> <Stampede>. there's elk <laughs> it, within 100 yards yeah 
And so uh, that's elk hunting right there in timber. <laughs> right, yeah, when you can't see them, that's the hardest part because, like, it can't, it's so hard to get a visual on them. Like, you, we were saying it last night as we were, I don't remember if we were at the truck, because you know, we actually, you know, did go to a different spot then last evening. But, you know, Wilson and I were just talking that the challenge with here is that when you have an uh, an opportunity here, it's it's like it happens right now. Like they're right on top of you. Like you don't really get to watch them from like 80 yards or 100 yards out and watch them come in and try to figure out where you're going to get your shot opportunity. And like it's like when if the shot opportunity happens, like you have to take it. Like when you see them, you, you need to be drawn and ready to shoot because they're already on top of you. Yeah. And you can't let your guard down. And we've let our guard down slightly. And, slightly. And yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's gonna be key is like i mean last night when we were set up i was ready you were much more ready last night we were all better yeah Yeah. and i knew what i was hearing so we ended up after those elk had no idea that what happened why they ran they just heard us heard some movement so they peaced out so we said let's give that spot a rest and we this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm going to add one thing here. Wind was good again, which in oh, elk yeah. hunting, like... The wind's been good for us. It's been mm-hmm. consistent here, and a lot of time the wind is what gets you. Yeah. yeah. No, the wind hasn't. Well, the only time I mean, it was going to really get us screwed us yet. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was well. So, let's get let's get to last night then. Right? Yeah. So, so after we had that morning hunt, you know, we were to Wilson's point. We were like, hey, you know what? We've been in here twice. We've had encounters twice. They don't know really what has happened. They haven't winded us or anything like that. So let's go ahead and just roll out of here they're super comfortable in here let's give them some time mm-hmm. let's just go maybe we can try to figure out a way to get over to that that little kind of whatever it is rock slide you know meadow whatever it was that we glassed those yeah, little, like dirt washout yeah. yeah just wash out with a worn trail in it that yeah it's where you glassed up the elk uh and it's a hundred yards above a big water source yeah, yeah you can see the trail go directly down to the water like when you're glassing and on uh like spartan forge yeah yeah totally and so the plan was like we were like hey let's let's see if we can't make our way over to there you know if nothing else we were actually needed to go get water too like re-up on water so we we're like let's hike back down to the truck we'll re-up on water we'll go hunt the afternoon see if we can't make it over to that that washout and maybe hunt those elk over there that are headed down to that water source. And it was hot yesterday. It was like 92, 93 yeah, degrees. Yeah, up there. So we are like, you know, water seems to be a fair play. So we ended up doing that. Uh, once we got down there, we drove around a little bit, did some glass in some other places, came back, and uh, ended up hiking in. You know, what we could see on <laughs> what we could see on the maps, you know, when we would pull up Spartan Forge, we could look and we could see there was a trail. Right now, this is the one thing where it's like some things are deceiving. It's like, oh yeah, you know, it shows on the map that there's a way in where it's not all timbered and it looks like there's a trail, right? Yeah, and it looked like there was even a game trail on the trail itself, right? Yeah, which should have been a 
which should have been a, a light bulb for me that if there's a game trail on what looks like a trail the trail is not actually a trail that trail was actually just a swath of timber <laughs> that was either an old dozer line from a fire an old skitter line from logging i'm not really sure but yeah an old swath of timber that was taken out of there at some point in time 20 yards with wide. a very minimal trail and that swath wasn't bare ground it was gnarly it's the, th- the thickest under forage we've had to deal with oh, yeah yet, it was basically so. bushwhacking our way through for a lot of a lot of dead fall in there that we were having to climb over while side all, hilling all side hilling yeah the entire way and we got we got a mile a mile in and then we were a little further than a mile in to when the we found the, the good sign. sides oh, yeah, to yeah, pop yeah. off yeah we found yeah. water and every bush that was head high, chest high, was chomped off. There was so much browsing in that whole area. In uh, freshest elk shit poop that we found, that yeah. We found yeah. Uh, yeah. so far. And it, it was last uh, couple days, yesterday, day before, day before that. Yeah. And, uh, and we found a wallow, too. Yeah, the first wallow just that after found. that. It, it was kind of a big bend, and then... Uh, all the timber around it was kind of unique you know it was a bare not really anything growing under not there. like it what was, we have here like, here is just like a ton of undergrowth it was, and there it was like almost like pine barren like yeah which you you'll see on this front side when we go down there is that area and then you can tell you're like oh here's elk bedding because you come to this like mm-hmm. thicket of four to five foot tall cedars and pines that these elk just pile into on these hillsides that makes sense off the ridge but over there is the same thing it was way more open than it is up here right yeah but we decided to keep going a little bit and see if we can't get to where we had seen the elk it was Even, just, we we, <laughs> we had, made it a quarter uh, of the way i think well we made well it was almost two miles to get there and we made it a mile and a half okay so yeah. we were close but it, it took us an hour and 45 minutes to go that Dude, mile was, and a half and there was no elevation change this is flat it was all like, flat. Just we're on the same top of the line, just side hilling, yeah. thick. Yeah. So we made the bear trail. You can't be bear quiet tunnels. either. You can't be quiet. Oh, You're, no. We're we not weren't sneaking, sneaking up, up on anything. anything. Yeah. We're just trying to find a good place to sit, do some calling sequences, yeah. you know. But uh, so then we did. So we then did we that. yeah. So then we we talked. We were like we we actually found like a, a place near a game trail. We set up on. We did some calling, and then we kind of reconvened. Was like, look, we're not going to make it down to that wash out in time to really hunt it effectively and this is just a nightmare trying to get in here and we've been passing good elk sign to go somewhere where we saw two elk walk through don't really know why they were there or if they may or may not be back right yeah someone could have bumped them i don't know how but like there's a million reasons why they could have been right so we thought you know what the sign that we passed was the best freshest sign that we've seen so far why don't we double back and sit that front side of that saddle that had the water kind of running out of it? Because it was the one place there was running water coming out of the mountain. Yeah, a good amount. Too. Yeah. So, and being hot, it seemed like it seemed like a good place. So, we went back there, set up, and uh, ended up riding out the evening there. And it was a slow go at the beginning, which is kind of what we're finding to be kind of typical right now. Because you know we're not hearing bugles and stuff like that. So again, we're kind of hunting them like whitetail to a degree we're having to read sign figure out where they might be what are they going to want it's hot water seems like a good choice yeah and so uh we had we had a really good setup here and then all of a sudden 
I don't even know what time it was, maybe 7 o'clock or 6.30 when mm-hmm. you did this. Oh, yeah, I did my I just, hand puppet. Yeah, he's tucked in behind a log behind me. and uh, I can't see him at all. Clinton in front of me, and I just see this hand pop up from behind the log, and these little fingers go walking and, like, pointing the timber behind me. I'm like, oh, something's walking up behind us. And sure enough, you know, minute, two minutes later, we hear stick break and mm-hmm. kind Here's of hear like- it just moving behind yeah. us from from right to left yep. into the head of this draw uh, towards the water but back in the timber behind us keeps moving towards where we think it's going to come out and uh, yeah we had two there was two different trails that were coming out of that timber near that near that water there was one that was furthest from it was about 30 yards yeah and okay. there was one right off my shoulder and that was like 15, 15. yeah 18 yards and that was why we chose to set up there because we were tucked back far enough to where if they came out they were almost when they came out going to be past us to a degree you know, yeah. it was going to be a slight quartering away shot, which is perfect. Like their head's kind of away from you, so they, they can't see me draw. And I had some breakup. Wilson had a doe come out to his right, so he had a deer pop out. And I oh, actually, we saw a big buck, too. Yeah, I actually thought about shooting the doe because you guys couldn't see me, and I have a you, doe. You never told me this. You had a wait, what? I'm just hearing about this. After I put my hands up and did the hand motions, a doe came out like 15 yards. I and never just stood saw there broadside. It. That I log could have it. drained her and then been like, I would have stood up and been like, Hey guys, I shot a deer because <laughs> I have whitetail tag. I have a tag I could use for a doe. So, um, and I, was, I had no idea actually. Yeah, That's and then wild. she just kind of popped back in the timber, but she went out the way we came in. She did not come because I could hear her footsteps dissipating in the right distant. So we're sitting there, we're hearing all this movement, and like the movement got real close to you and I. Like I could hear it like really clearly it, behind us. It was, and then we heard it in the water. Yeah. Her. And it was like, okay, it's going to come out on this trail. Like, I'm thinking, like, we've got, like... Like, I was, I had been recording for about a minute. I'm like, okay, like, any second it's going to pop out. Yep. And I thought the same thing. I have my bow up. I'm ready. And all of a sudden, like, you said maybe 10 minutes before that, because I mentioned earlier in the day, I was like, hey, it's supposed to maybe rain today. And about 10 minutes before we heard it, I started getting, like, focused on that because, like, all the, we, we were hearing stuff behind us. You're like, hey, here comes this rain you were talking about. And, like, the clouds were kind of forming. And all of a sudden, you could just hear the wind coming, like, for, like, two minutes. You're like, the wind's on its way, the wind's on its way. But, no, before that, but two minutes before that, the gunshots. Oh, the gunshots. Yeah. So there's there's a road probably uh, three-quarters of a mile, a mile up above it on the ridge. And there's some people camped up there. And, yeah, as we hear the the noise getting close to coming out in the opening we hear boom 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 freedom rounds just right yeah. over and then <laughs> rocks kick over where the animal is and then on the complete adjacent side across from us where i thought i'd actually heard some other noise earlier i hear rocks tumble as well no no idea what that was but the sound behind us to me sounded a little bit more elky than deer it just sounded a little a little larger yeah and never know what it could have been but it was it was feeling pretty good like a pretty good situation yeah and so it didn't completely completely bust out of there because then we heard it again oh just further away but then yeah that i'm like i saw that storm coming i i looked at you and i was like hey here comes our wind yeah the wind had been good all night it was it's been it was perfect for that spot and it yeah. just, it, I mean, it just switched like that yep. and was completely wrong. And so and we then, got out of there real quick, though. Yeah. 
They got out of there. We got out of there. I got almost hit by lightning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't. That was over a mile. Away. <laughs> we like, had some, over a mile. pretty close. <laughs> we had some good. We had we had a good little show there for for a hot minute. Got a little bit of rain on our way back to the truck. It looked looked for a second like it might you know get get a little western for a second. Yeah, it, it looked like it could have gotten like a big storm, but it uh, the big storm seemed to have averted us a little bit, and yeah. we got some some rain off the bat and I, uh you guys sat in the the rig and sat I in the cooked truck up and watched some, you cook up some food <laughs> yeah I, cooked, I was hungry i was like i'm eating now before this hike up top i right. was like i need food so that was basically that the good news is that thing uh, that was is that you know we think we found some more elk there and as soon as the wind switched we didn't waste any time we just as soon as it was wrong we got up grabbed our stuff and took off and got yeah. out of there so we didn't booger anything up so that feels like it's a huntable opportunity, you know, for, for later in the trip. Um, uh, like Kobe said, we grabbed our water, grabbed all of our stuff, made the late night hike up in the dark back to camp. I don't remember what time we got here, like 9.30 or something like that, or getting close nice. to 10, yeah, 9.45. It, it might have been even, yeah, we were pushing 10, I know that. So, yeah, got back up here late, got to bed and got back up early this morning and walked into an area that we had been kind of looking at on maps, and we hunted this saddle i guess monday afternoon and tuesday oh uh, yeah tuesday, tuesday afternoon. yeah yeah, we, yeah we monday did. yeah uh, tuesday was the opener uh tuesday afternoon we hunted a saddle that was kind of like down in this general area and there's this point that comes off this peak that we wanted to kind of go check out and so we went down there this morning hunted that for a little bit and uh nothing no sounds we thought maybe with like the temperature fallen just a little bit today we maybe get our first bugles of the uh, of the trip but uh we did not that'll be tonight yeah <laughs> fingers crossed and uh so then we just hoofed it back to camp had decided we were going to have some breakfast since we had a late night take a load off of our feet and then our plan for this evening is to go back down the ridge where we had those really good encounters and make one more play better at, set up tonight yeah better set up tonight make one more play on those elk if things go well tonight and we if if we don't kill tonight and the wind is good tomorrow and we don't booger anything up we'll probably hunt that tomorrow morning one more time and then after that we're probably going to pool camp and head down to the truck and then truck hunt for like or truck camp for the next couple of days in and around that drainage we were in last night because we know that we there's plenty of elk sign in there we thought we heard elk last night so we feel like that's a that's a good play and then probably just glass in the afternoons and stuff like that and see and drive around and see if we can spot an elk somewhere that we want us to try to spot and stalk if that's if that's possible so that's kind of the plan for the trip uh it's what's happened so far um it's been fun i'm digging i love the spot we're camping in yeah you know? we haven't touched on one thing though what's that what do you think about huckleberries oh, oh man huckleberries yet. so huckleberries are pop i mean i guess they're technically just about done now we're still finding some decent ones but yeah there are huckleberry bushes everywhere and some that we refer to as uh, moose ticklers, <laughs> where they're tall, they're just tall enough to tickle the nuts on a moose. You know, they like they're huge huckleberry Old bushes. Grows huckleberry bushes. Yeah. And like, so I'm talking like probably some of the most huckleberry bushes I've ever seen in my yeah. life. That is what the underforage is: is straight huckleberries, <laughs> and they are thick and it is nasty to walk through. Yeah, but it makes a nice snack as you're kind of walking along. <laughs> oh, right? it is great. You just grab a handful and you're just kind of munching. You get that little pop of sour, a oh, little pop so of sweet. Good. I've been saving them and putting them in my yeah. Alpenfuels been, in the morning. <laughs> yeah, he's been saving them and putting it in his granola whenever we uh, when we have breakfast. But yeah, I tell you that is a nice little 
kind of surprised is just to be able to kind of graze. I don't know. There's something kind of interesting about being able to just kind of graze what the animals are grazing as you're kind of walking along hunting the animals. Yeah. That is kind of, yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like you just feel very connected. Where it's like we're all using the same stuff. Nice to get some fruit in your diet up here living off of mountain houses and peak refuel and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, we're living off of... Protein bars, (laughs) honey stingers, you name it. We're living off the usual camp fare. Um, So, yeah, the body definitely is appreciative of of something natural and uh, and juicy. So, but that's it. Uh, It's been a lot of fun so far. I think the the best is yet to come. Mm-hmm. Have a good feeling about the next twenty four to thirty six hours. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Any parting thoughts there, Mister McSwain? No, I'm just thankful to have you guys out. I've been spending a whole bunch of time up here because this is the area that I'm gonna hunt, and so it's fun. Like I've never filled an elk tag, mm-hmm. and so I'm almost more excited to see you fill your tag this weekend or this. I guess the rest of this trip. Yeah, because it'll be rewarding because you can't see more than flipping 35 yards. And we got yeah, on the herd, and I'm, we're hoping to make the most of it. Yeah, when it happens, it's going to happen in close quarters. Yeah. You know, it's and then we're going to call all our friends and say, come help us get this elk out of this hill. because <laughs> yeah, it's gnarly. Yeah. Any parting thoughts from you, Mr. Mr. Owen? Yeah, uh, it's been a good one. Happy to be up here with you guys. Uh, I'm excited for our move tonight. I think we need to get down there a little bit further into the mm-hmm. bedroom and get just tucked back in there with, uh, you know, good lanes in front of us. Like you said, it's going to 35 yards as far. It's going to be, you know, I'm thinking 25 to 15 yards is where it's mm-hmm. happening. So, yeah. but uh, just make sure to be tucked back in there is, I think, going to be key for us, uh, yeah. you know, so that we don't get spotted yeah yeah i'm appreciative of you both being here kobe i appreciate you being in camp filming everything made a new friend a new brother heck for yeah sure. and uh wilson one of my best friends i'm just super stoked to be able to share the elk woods with you i told you when you moved out here you were like hey you should come elk hunt with me and i was like okay i will <laughs> <laughs> and then part of me was like yeah it's, i mean a lot of people say that right, right. like yeah. heck yeah but they don't know the commitment that yeah. it takes and the hell you're gonna get put through when you get here yeah, yeah. My feet have paid the price for it. I don't have any skin <laughs> on the back of my heels on either uh, foot at this point. Mine and Kobe's feet are looking fresh and like we just got some manicures. And mine have tape all over them. <laughs> like I look like I'm getting ready to enter a football game. Like I'm spatted up. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's pretty. It's yeah, pretty gnarly. Really depleted my med kit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, with that, we're gonna go ahead and jump off here. I hope everyone's season is going well. If you're in the elk woods chasing elk or whatever it is that you might be chasing out west, I hope things are going well for y'all. And if you are hitting up any of those early whitetail openers, uh, like I know I got some buddies right now that were in, as we speak, one of my buddies I think is in Delaware for uh, uh, for some whitetail velvet, which opened up, and some folks in Nebraska, another buddy heading, a couple buddies actually heading to Kentucky. So if you're hitting any of those early whitetail openers, I hope you guys are are slaying it, laying them down, and filling some tags. And as always, I want to thank you all for listening. All right, gang. So this is the second half of the of the podcast. Unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to record it while we were on the mountain. We kind of ran out of time. Uh, so I will give you the the rundown of what happened after those last couple hunts that we kind of described. So after the after we recorded the first half of this podcast that afternoon we did go back into that spot where we had the encounter on the first on the first day 
and the wind was a little squirrely when we first got in there. So we had to kind of lay back. It's really kind of like this meadow that is on top of this ridge. It's kind of like on the side hill of the ridge. And there's a really thick timber as you kind of get to it. And all the, I think, as we mentioned earlier, the elk like to kind of bed off the point of this ridge and kind of down off the one, um, I guess it would be the Easter or yeah. Eastern side of the ridge, I believe. Um, at any rate, uh, we kind of hung back in the, at the timber's edge because we knew the elk like to, you know, kind of bed below that meadow and we just weren't getting the right wind quite yet. And so we were waiting for the wind to switch. And when we finally started getting the wind to switch a little bit and gave us really kind of an iffy wind, if you will, um, it was good enough to try to get the job done, but it was going to be, um, it was going to be touch and go. So the reality of it was, is we didn't push in quite as far as we wanted to, um, because we knew that the morning play was going to be, was going to be good. And we just didn't want to booger up the the area for the morning. So we didn't push in quite as far as we wanted to and kind of laid back kind of like part way. And just like that, everything that held true at that spot earlier in the trip, you know, I mean, I don't even know how long we were sitting. It wasn't very long. Then all of a sudden you hear elk kind of milling around, in there, you know, however far in the timber it might be 40 yards, 50 yards, whatever, whatever it is. So we might be 60 yards from them. Cause we were maybe 20 yards from the timber's edge kind of tucked into these, um, tucked into these pine trees or, um, they might've been Aspens. Uh, but regardless, we were tucked into these trees, had a really good setup. The wind was pretty decent for where, for where those elk were at. We weren't going to bust anything up. We weren't going to booger anything up. I mean, it just kept sounding like these elk were going to pop out behind this one little, you know, spruce tree that was there. And it was going to be maybe like a 20 yard shot. Again, you know, it's so crazy in this area that it's so thick that you might be 20 yards away from elk and, you know, maybe at 20 yards you can see them, but at 20 yards, there's not a guarantee that you're actually going to have a shot because it's so thick. So we weren't able to see, and we were just able to hear them. And there were a couple in there. We could hear milling around in, in different locations. And that kind of went on for a little while and they milled off to wherever they were going to go to. And, you know, they probably hung out in that general area for maybe 30 I don't know. I'm going to guesstimate because my memory's a little foggy on a bit, like 30 to 45 minutes, maybe. We kind of heard them, you know, pecking around in there. And so fast forward to the morning, you know, we kind of get back, make a game plan. We look at the weather, you know, and know that the wind is going to be, uh, it's going to be what we're looking for, for the morning. And so the plan really was, was that, you know, we've been kind of pecking at the edges, so to speak a little bit. And without bulls really bugling at all or calling, it's like, we can't really locate anything, right? They're not making a peep. Um, and so we're really just kind of having to still hunt areas and kind of incrementally kind of creep our way through the timber, getting closer and closer to where we think we know where elk might be, you know, uh, holding up and, and bedding. And so the next morning we get in there and, um, it, we got in there bright and early, like before, basically before the elk got in, got back into that area and kind of got below them a little bit. So the thermals were dropping off the side of that ridge. And everything was kind of in our favor um, at that point because we kind of came in below them. And then we kind of held tight. We didn't press in super close because the plan was that day. We knew there was a bull that liked to bed off the point of this of this ridge system. Wilson jumped him there last season in early part of the year. And he bumped him out of there um, this early part of the summer when he went in to hang some trail cameras and, and stuff like that and got a good visual of him. And he was a really good bull. Uh, we actually have one, had one on camera in that area and he was a nice, uh, a nice four by four bull. And this bull, um, that Wilson had seen previously was like, it was a good six by six. So that was kind of our play was like, you know what, we've kind of, we've kind of played it cool, uh, around his area. Um, 
thinking that he was still kind of in that general area and in kind of just kind of focusing on the herd and trying to get a chance to see if maybe he's checking the herd out and maybe we can catch him that way before we kind of blow up the spot. And so this was really the last hunt on the mountain that day for that particular area. So we were kind of going for broke. We're like, look, we're going to push all the way in to where that camera is. We're going to check it. And then we're going to push into where his, where his bed is and see if we can, you know, entice him to come play ball. And so as the wind was switching, thermals were switching, kind of starting to rise up the ridge. Now, you know, we are able to kind of move up the side of the ridge and kind of get over top where the elk were bedded. And now we had the perfect wind to kind of work into that bedding area. And so we started working down that point. Um, reality was when we got in there in the morning, super early again, you know, right off the bat elk coming to bed, we had them, we heard them again, they were probably 40 to 60 yards from us. You can hear them playing as day, but just not able to get a visual. And there was, you know, who knows how many was in there. I mean, we heard like a handful of them. So there was, you know, they, they bed all along that ridge. So it could have been any number of elk in that general area. And so once the thermals kind of switched for us and we started getting the right wind to kind of make a play out the rest of that ridge. So we didn't blow, potentially blow that bull out. Um, we got up on the side of the ridge, kind of made our way to the point, dropped down off and we're headed down to, you know, we wanted to stop at that point and just kind of like hang out. Cause there's like a little meadow again off the point. So there's one off the side, there's one off the point. And we just want to just kind of hang out there and listen for a little bit, maybe do a little cow calling to see if, you know, there's any elk kind of in the general area. And we hear a cow call back to us. And the first one sounded pretty good. And, you know, we hung tight for a second and then we call back, you know, however, however many minutes went by five, 10 minutes or whatever. And we call back, cow calls back. And this time it sounds kind of funky. And we're like, eh, that didn't sound real consistent. And so we were like, we think that's a, that's a person. Um, now mind you, this would have been Friday of the first full weekend because the season came in on a Tuesday. And so we kind of expected we were, there were going to be more people in there than we had. We basically had the mountain to ourselves for the most part, the entire time up until Friday. And sure enough, there was a guy that was walking up the backside of that Ridge, um, basically through all the elk bedding that is there and right through that bulls bedding area. Um, which really kind of bummed us out because, <laughs> you know, maybe the lesson learned there is that you don't play it super safe um, whenever you have those types of conditions and, you know, elk aren't talking and you maybe just need to go for broke. So we talked to that fella. Um, Wilson got a little bit of intel from him just from the conversation to learn a little bit more about the area just through through conversation. So hopefully that'll help him out um, as he goes through the rest of his season. Um, and so that really, that hunt was done then at that point, you know, he walked through all the good stuff. So we, we made our way down to the camera, checked the camera. There was a good bull on that camera. I think two different times had a moose, a couple of really good bucks that Wilson will have a chance to chase this year. Um, and then we just kind of hoofed it back to camp and the plan, we stayed to our plan cause we were like, Hey, we have that bottom piece that, you know, we were in elk in that area and it's super elky and that, uh, it's just like, I think we mentioned it previously. It's like a, a, an old dozer road kind of push out a lot of side hilling through there and just gnarly, gnarly thick. Um, but it's, there's a game trail through there that's walkable. And so you can kind of walk, you know, basically make your way all around like these, this mountainside. Um, but the one area in particular had like a, a decent old wallow, um, and, uh, just a ton of elk sign in that general area. You can clearly see where they were coming out of the timber, a couple areas where they were kind of coming out headed to that wallow. So into the water, it was the one place where there was like a water seep in this saddle that was coming off the coming off the mountain that still held water. And so as hot as it had been, you know, we're talking 80s and even 90s, uh, 90 degree, 90 plus degrees. Um, you know, we figured water, you know, especially that day was going to potentially be key. It might be a nice place to set up. And so that was the plan for that evening. So we pulled camp, got out of there, made the two mile hike down to the truck with all of our gear, threw it in the truck. Um, 
and then uh, that evening walked into that uh, piece where we had uh, heard some elk uh, earlier in the week. Got tucked in and set up. And so this time, instead of playing it cool and trying to stay on the outside of the timber edge and let them kind of come to the water's edge or come down toward that wallow, we actually got up into the timber maybe just 20 yards, right? Because it's so thick up there. And there's not really like distinct, distinct game trails. Like they'll, you'll all of a sudden see a game trail and then it'll just, you know, it might be 30 yards and then all of a sudden it'll just peter out. Right. And then it just gets into like blow down and just like nastiness. And so we kind of saw where they wanted to cross this, uh, this mountain seep, the seep that was coming off the mountain. Um, and so that was as good a place as any. And so I had a shot there and I had a shot to where they were working down off the other side of the ridge, uh, other side of the saddle into this meadow into, you know, down toward the wall. So I had a couple, probably the best shooting opportunities I was going to have sitting in the timber. Um, so we sat there that night and man, we felt killer about that setup. Like, I mean, we all, you know, I wish Kobe was on to kind of tell a story, but he actually brought, you know, a, a celebratory bottle of hooch in his pack and didn't tell anybody because he just had the feeling that it was going to go down because that spot was just primo. And unfortunately, man, it was just super weird. It was really probably the only, the only hunt or the only sit that we had that we didn't hear elk or see elk. Um, it was just eerily quiet. There was nothing in there at all. And we had a great wind. I mean, the, the wind was actually kind of funky. If we would have sat out in that meadow, it would have been a little swirly. Um, but our access was good. And then once we got into that seep, man, it was just, you know, you'll hear guys that talk that hunt big country or hunt, you know, big drainages and stuff like that. Even if you're whitetail hunting, you know, big drainages, you stay close to that water. And especially if you have really kind of dense, dark timber, like is in North Idaho, your thermals just almost all time of day will drop into that, into that seep and get sucked down that seep. And it's exactly what was happening. So the wind direction was actually in the elk's favor and the actual thermal pool that we had set up right near that water was just sucking our, our scent right down it, out it and right into that, um, right into that wall. So anything that was going to come from where we had heard whatever it was, two nights prior or three nights, three evenings prior, whatever it was, um, would technically have the wind, but they would be, you know, shit out of luck once they got to that seat to get a drink. And we heard them drinking in it, you know, a couple of nights before, but eerily quiet, didn't see anything, didn't hear anything. And so we were kind of bummed about that. Cause we really kind of thought that was going to be a great spot uh, for that night. So we hoofed it back to the truck. Cause at this point we had pulled camp. And uh, once we got back to the truck, uh, Wilson's buddy uh, Clancy actually met us there and was coming out just to hunt with us on um, uh, Saturday morning. He went and kind of did, did a walk about, we get back to the trucks and Clancy's got a table set up with uh uh, a couple chairs. He's got a, a small grill set up and he's got four big fat, uh, uh, four big fat steaks waiting for us to throw on the grill. And so he threw steaks on the grill, cooked them up and we had some potato salad, just like some good, it was well needed after, you know, however many days on the mountain, eating mountain house and just getting after it and climbing up and down the, the ridges. So it was, uh, it was much appreciated that Clancy came out and did that. So we all kind of sat around, had a good dinner uh, chopped it up a little bit, had some laughs, uh, had a blast. And then we basically just truck camped that night. You know, I slept in the back of Wilson's truck. Wilson threw his tent out. Kobe slept in the back of his truck and Clancy did the same thing. And we got up Saturday morning and there was one other ridge that we all kind of had seen that we were like, you know, really kind of want to check that out. Kind of caught everybody's eye. So we were like, you know what, let's make one push through that, get to the top. Um, there's a couple of drainages after we get to the top that we kind of want to walk down through and see what's happening. So, we start walking up and this thing is just ridiculously steep. Um, we're just kind of creeping along, going slow. We ended up 
bumping what sounded like an elk at, you know, we were maybe only 50 yards into the woods at that point and bumped something out of like this blowdown and um, went crashing away. It, we kind of all heard it at the same time, you know, couldn't really tell how far away it was, you know, hundred percent. We just kind of all heard something and made our way the rest of the way up uh, the mountain. The funny thing was, was that, you know, even though I'm out there, you know, North Idaho elk hunting, um, never mind is never too far away from whitetails. And so came across, um, what I would refer to as a Troy Pottinger, uh, Northern Idaho drainage community scrape special. Like I saw exactly what Troy has talked about on the podcast. If you go back and listen to any of those, I saw exactly what that setup looks like. Cause I ran across just like a monster scrape in one of the gnarliest areas that I had been in that entire trip. And it's clear why that deer is using it. I mean, he's got food for days. He's got cover for days. He's got escapability for days. And that is just a gnarly, gnarly place to try to get into. And as we got closer to the top, we found some like hammer rubs. I mean, I found a giant, giant rub, probably one of the biggest whitetail rubs I'd ever seen. Um, and so found a bunch of killer deer sign, uh, up there and a little bit of elk sign, uh, but not a whole lot. And so it didn't really hold what we thought it would hold. So we were making our way back down the mountain to leave. That was, this is really the last hunt of the, of the trip. And as we're walking down, Kobe's taking some pictures and he stands on this log to take a picture. And I don't know if we even mentioned it earlier. He, uh, in the first half of the podcast, but he got nailed by a bald faced hornet in his tent, like in the leg. And that thing just like swelled up and got all weird looking, um, and sore. And, uh, and there was just tons of bees everywhere on this trip. And he's standing on this log and he just happened to be standing in like a yellow jacket's nest that flew up and he had his pants side of his pants vents unzipped and they flew inside of his pant leg, lit him up. I don't even know how many times he got stung. I want to say like six or seven, something like that. additional times to the one that they already had. And so we basically took off kind of like this mountain was so steep. We're coming down. Like we're kind of like taking our time. Cause it's, you're almost falling down the mountain. It's so steep. But once those bees popped out, man, everyone found their, found their sea legs real quick and did like a 30, 40 yard dash down the side of this mountain without falling, which was kind of incredible. And then at that point, you know, the, the hunt was kind of over. Um, you know, we were, it's like we were busted, uh, pretty busted up. Uh, Kobe's legs were pretty torched from, from the bees. It was hot. And, uh, and it was, you know, at that, we hadn't seen anything worth kind of expending any more energy on that side of the, the ridge. I mean, we'd had to walk back up it and kind of like loop back, back around the whole side of that, that ridge. And so, it was really one of those things where it was it was time to time to uh, time to pack it in. I needed to get uh, to a place where I could kind of organize all my gear and get ready to fly out because I had a flight the next day to catch. So uh, Wilson, and I did go back with Clancy and and actually jump on his boat for a little bit and cruise around the lake. I got to see a little bit of the Coeur d'Alene Lake and some of the houses and stuff around that. And just spend, you know, we we actually had a rainstorm push us out, but got to spend probably like an hour out on the water, just kind of relaxing, chilling, which was a nice way to kind of end the trip. And then after that, you know, went back to Wilson's place, crashed out. Got up the next day and caught a flight back to Pennsylvania and took the red eye. And that's kind of why I sound tired now because I literally got back just a little bit ago and have slept like not at all today. Uh, but wanted to get this podcast put together before I forgot. So that was pretty much the trip, man. It was a blast. Had a great time. Uh, I look forward to going back out. I know a little bit more about that area. I think uh, to do it over again, I would probably uh, wait, you know, maybe another week to two weeks before I'd go out. Cause I think, you know, that area to hunt is just, is tough in general. And I see whenever I spoke with Troy just about hunting whitetails, but just anything in general out there, it's hard. It's steep. Like when I say it's steep, it's like, 
it's one of the steepest places I've been, like, you know, whether it was Montana or whatever, like this was some of the steepest country. The elevation wasn't as high as I've been in, in the past. Um, cause I think we were right around like 50, excuse me, 5,400 feet roughly. Um, it was like the peaks. Um, but just like the amount of vertical feet you traverse in a short period of time is just, is brutal and your, and your legs are torched. Um, and just the thickness of the, of the woods overall. I mean, to find, to hunt the way we were hunting, which was basically trying to hunt elk like you hunt early season whitetails, you know, either finding where they're bedded and trying to set up on them or still hunting them, you know, into their, into their bedding areas, um, is a hard way to go about it. I, you know, and making another trip out there, I would definitely go out a little later, you know, whenever bulls will be more apt to be, uh, bugling and talking. Um, I'm not going to say I'll make it easy, um, but it'll make it a little bit easier to, f- to know where you need to be. Cause I mean, to be honest with you, Wilson did a great job even just locating elk. Cause if it weren't for that, you know, I don't know that we would have heard elk seen elk at all the entire trip because the only reason we were even really seeing anything or, or in the game, like, in, you know, by and large, we were in elk almost every hunt, you know, we were in close proximity where we were hearing them walking. We were hearing them working through the woods. If it wasn't for the work that he did, like I, I'd be hard pressed to say we would have heard anything or seen anything. Um, it was the work that he had done to kind of locate some herds uh, that he knew where they were spending some time that we were able to kind of walk in and kind of get on them right away. Cause without them bugling and talking, you know, without the information he had, we would have been basically just throwing, throwing darts at a dartboard in the, in the dark. So all in all, it was an awesome trip. Had a great time with good buddies. Um, I want to give a shout out to Kobe for, uh, for filming it and <laughs> he got stung and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, he was, he was a trooper, um, didn't complain one bit after he got, after he got lit up, he just kind of like hammered along and dude is a super talented, uh, photographer and videographer. So if you haven't, uh, you know, or I, I, you may not have, but I would recommend just going to, um, Instagram and checking him out and giving his page a follow, uh, dude takes ki- uh, killer photos. His Instagram handle is Kobe K O B Y dot Owens O W E N S and give him a follow and check out what he's got going on. He's doing a bunch of other hunts this year. Um, you know, a bunch of out West stuff and he's got a, a lot of killer content to kind of check out from a photography standpoint. Um, so you'll definitely dig that. And then he and I may link up later in the season. We'll see. Um, we'll see if that happens. And then Wilson McSwain, you guys know that, you know, uh, you know, my buddy there. So Wilson, uh, dot j boyd mcswain or just look up wilson mcswain on instagram to follow along with him so with that we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up it was a blast elk season is over unfortunately uh if i could i would make one more trip out there maybe uh for rifle season if i could but i don't think it's going to be in the cards so we are going to now shift gears and be fully dedicated to whitetails pa opener is on for me at least is the 17th uh, of september i think it's the 17th so we got that happening and then I have my upcoming Kansas trip. So for those of you out there that season has started, I hope you guys are finding success. Uh, for those of you that haven't started yet, um, hang on. It's just around the corner. And with that, thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you on the flip. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Spartan Forge, Exodus, and Skull Brew Coffee Company. And until next time, we'll see y'all.
All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.